This is your favorite time of the week with your number one, one podcast. Sports Today with Peter J. on the run back, breaking a tackle and taking it past midfield and down the sideline he goes this is storybook an opening kickoff return for Tamar Hamlin and this place is absolutely going wild Holmes gets away to the end zone caught, Watson touchdown Mahomes escaping on the move Mahomes stops spins flips it forward for the touchdown to Edward Dillaire Burrow throwing this side of the field Jamar Chase with the catch and up the sideline and there he goes Jamar Chase to the end zone for the touchdown he's just taken over this football game for the second time Collins of the middle touchdown. I kill you. Hard to forget if you're a Giants fan, or it, it, probably negatively if you're a Vikings fan, the last time the two teams met in the postseason going back to the NFC Championship game in 2041, nothing to score, a drubbing on the hands of the Vikings by the Giants at Giants Stadium to go to the Super Bowl. Obviously. We all know that that ended with a loss to the Ravens, but a lot of memories there. You go back down memory lane, Pat Summerall, John Madden calling that game on Fox, Wellington, Mara, accepting the trophy. That's nostalgia at its finest, right? The days of yesteryear. And here we are today, the postseason 2022-23 getting underway later this afternoon. Two games, one this afternoon, one tonight. It's going to be a magical postseason, folks, and thank you so much for Kicking off your weekend with us, 1102 on the East Coast Sports Today with Peter J. And we've got a great show coming up. We're going to be joined by my buddy Joe Lazuski, affectionately called Joe Jet. Knows more about the Jets than most people I've ever come in contact with. And he gives you some good insight as to the pulse of the fan base as well, which is important, right? You want to know what the fan base feels after this, the 12th straight season of no playoff football for the New York Jets. We've got the complete postseason breakdown for you. But as I've done on shows in the past and in previous years, especially this show's got a New York flair, right? We're national with a New York twist. So we'll go Jets post-mortem, if we can call it that, uh, in a little bit. Joe will be joining us in about 15, 20 minutes or so um, to break down some of the things that Jets should be doing in the offseason, things we could be looking at. And we all know where it starts, right? With the quarterback position, what goes on there? What lanes can the Jets potentially drive down to address the quarterback situation. That's been a problem for a decade plus easily, right? Among other things. So we'll get into that with Joe. And then you want to break down all the games. The Saturday games tonight, Seattle goes to San Francisco. That's a 4.30 start. LA, the Chargers go to Jacksonville. That's the 8.15 on the East Coast start. So two games right out of the gates to kick us into then the three-game slate on Sunday and the Monday night with Dallas going to Tampa Bay. So you really couldn't ask for a better way to with the slate we have tonight but a cut um a couple of important things to get into quickly first everybody knows um what's going on with Demar Hamlin um 
highly publicized, terrible thing. The young man recovered. He was discharged from the hospital on Wednesday, and he is now home. That's a great story, and it gives those around him the ability to now move on. Right? He can look out for himself from home, regular checkups after going down with heart issue during the Monday night or a couple of weeks ago in Cincinnati. Just a gut-wrenching thing to be a part of if you were there, part of the franchise, or watching it on TV. So DeMar Hamlin now home, uh, recovering, continues uh, there. Former Giants and Browns running back Peyton Hillis remains in critical condition after he saved his children from drowning uh, back on the 4th of this month in Florida. Yesterday, uh, his girlfriend, which was Friday the 13th, mentioned that he, Peyton was removed from the ventilator, but he still has a ways ahead of him. Now, you remember we mentioned this last week, sort of when it happened, um, that doctors had previously indicated uh, that Hillis's kidneys were a great concern. His uncle pretty much came out uh, and said as much last time that that was the focus of concern from the doctors that were treating Hillis after uh, he was rescued himself from the water. Uh, so this is obviously good news, the fact that he's off the ventilator, um, but similar with DeMar Hamlin, right? You've got a long ways to go, um, uphill battle, but there's progress. And we'll continue to follow these progress reports uh, as we head into the new week. Uh, but two really, really nice, positive, uplifting ways to get into Wild Card Weekend with DeMar Hamlin home and Peyton Hillis now breathing on his own. All right, after the heroic act of trying to save his children from drowning. You can't even put yourselves in those shoes if you've never done it before, how horrific that must be. Um, so those two stories, really a nice little lift going into what should be an action-packed 48 hours on the gridiron. Let's go back to last year as we start to get into what's going to unfold uh, over the next couple of days. Because the, the, the new NFL postseason rule um, is going to come into play or go into effect, I should say. Whether it comes into play remains to be seen if any of the games go to overtime. But the new rule that was voted on by NFL owners last year begins this wild card weekend. And this is what the rule is for those that forget. If you go back to last year, the Buffalo Kansas City game in the divisional round goes to overtime. Kansas City, boom, scores. Game over. Buffalo didn't get to touch the football. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Devin Singletary don't get a hand on the ball. So the league sits down to really analyze this and say, something's got to change here. We've done tinkering and changing of the regular season overtime rules. Let's do something here in the postseason when one of our marquee quarterbacks, one of the faces of the league, doesn't get his hands on the football. So they sit down and they come up with this rule. Both teams, should a game go to overtime this postseason, are now guaranteed to get the football should it go to overtime. So both teams, regardless of what happens and who gets the ball first, are going to get the football. If both teams score touchdowns on those opening possessions of extra time, the game then goes to sudden death. Now, you remember, before the, the complete change of the overtime rules, it was sudden death. You scored, the game was over. It happened in a Charger, uh, Philip Rivers versus Peyton Manning when he was with Indy years ago, where Peyton Manning never got to touch the football because Rivers and the Chargers scored on their opening drive. Game over. Colts out, Manning out. So the game moves to sudden death if both teams score on their opening possessions of extra time. This game, or any game that goes to OT now in the postseason, could end if the second team that scores a touchdown 
would obviously decide to go for two and get the win or fail. So that new NFL postseason rule that was voted on and implemented for this year, pretty much at the conclusion of last year, will now take effect if we see overtime in the postseason um, starting today. So that's something to keep an eye on. And you know, chaos usually ensues when things like this go down. It was amazing how seamlessly, for the most part, that the one less game Buffalo and Cincinnati wound up playing due to the tragedy around DeMar Hamlin or near tragedy now that he's recovered, um, didn't create more chaos than it did uh, from a scheduling perspective. Now, uh, should the Bills and Chiefs meet in the AFC Championship game, the league announced during the week that that AFC Championship game will play at a neutral site. That site's going to be in Atlanta. So they would play that game um, at the Mercedes in Atlanta. Uh, should the AFC Championship uh, pit Buffalo against Kansas City, which is not out of the question, obviously. One of the things I was also looking forward to is I like the numbers. I'm a nerd for the numbers when it comes to football, specifically college and the NFL. All right. I'm a big follower of high school football, but when you get down into the metrics in college and the NFL game, some of the storylines and the numbers that surround it, they're fascinating to me. For example, you got 14 teams in the postseason, right? The top seeds get the buys. So Philly in the NFC, KC in the AFC, get their buys. They're the top dogs. Seven of the 14 teams in the playoffs this year were not in the field last season. That includes, obviously, the New York Giants, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Los Angeles Chargers. Talented teams with good young cores that are making their postseason debuts this weekend. You get some veterans in there, right? Uh, Dak Prescott and Cal and the Dallas Cowboys have been to the postseason before. Tom Brady, obviously, we know what he's done. Patrick Mahomes, probably the leader in the league uh, at this moment in time for league MVP. And as many veterans as there are in the postseason field this year, you've got some rookies making their debut, obviously. Four notables at the quarterback position, and this is great. Two of them are going to go head-on tonight. Trevor Lawrence at Jacksonville, the 2021 top pick in the draft, who's been playing out of his mind the last couple of weeks. I mean, at one point in the season, Jacksonville's 3-7, and seven, and they finish 9-8. and eight. This is an impressive run that this team has been on, and again, it goes back to the idea of good quarterback play, good coaching. They've got that with Doug Peterson after moving on from the, the truck fire that Urban Meyer was. Trevor Lawrence is going to take the field for Jacksonville at home tonight. And across the sideline will be Justin Herbert, former first-round pick of the Chargers, who also makes his debut at the quarterback position in the postseason. So they go at one another tonight, which is great. Brock Purdy, the San Francisco 49ers quarterback, started the year third on the depth chart. What would Trey Lance? He gets injured. Jimmy Garoppolo injured. Brock Purdy was the last player taken in the 22 NFL draft. Now he's leading a team that many still consider to be the favorite to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, which is another thing that is completely not out of the question. San Francisco's playing as good as any team in the league. You put them right there with the way the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Eagles have played recently. So Purdy takes the reins 
And all he's done is win. Now, having Christian McCaffrey back there with you and Debo Samuel certainly does not hurt. But that's an interesting nugget into this postseason. And San Francisco, wouldn't you know it, hosts the rival Seahawks. And who's making his postseason debut? Under center for Seattle. Probably crushes Jet fans to no end. Geno Smith, who, if you talk about the first, conservatively, because we don't want to get ridiculous, I would say the first seven to eight weeks of the season was playing legitimate MVP caliber football, Geno Smith. That's an opinion that I also believe is fact. That's how well Geno Smith has played. And he saved one of his bigger games of the season a couple of weeks ago when the Jets went to town in Seattle, and he just thumped them up and down the field. So you got Lawrence, Purdy, Herbert, and Smith all making their postseason debuts this weekend in the postseason. Seven newbies in the field that weren't there a year ago. You've got the new NFL postseason rule thrown into the mix. This is good stuff. This is really good stuff. Coming off the feel-good stories of Hamlin and now Peyton Hillis, hopefully on and staying on the road to recovery. And Peyton Hillis, if you remember watching him run the football in Arkansas or in the, uh, uh, specifically with Cleveland, crush people when he hit them. He's coming down the lane, be somewhere else. It was like trying to tackle Brandon Jacobs in his prime. They're coming at you, be somewhere else. So there's a lot going on here with this postseason, which makes it interesting. This is the best time of the year if you're a postseason fan. Now, a lot of the focus that we'll do today is going to revolve around tomorrow's Giants at Vikings game. Because if you would have gone back to the beginning of this season, where everybody's starting from scratch, 0-0. And I've made this point many times before. And I had a conversation when he was on my show a couple weeks ago with Mike Pereira of uh, Fox NFL Sunday and Fox College Saturdays where he was still a big believer in the San Francisco 49ers, but we talked about the Jets and the Giants. At the beginning of the season, who was more likely to be in the playoffs if one of the Jets and the Giants was going to be in the playoffs? I think the easy answer was the Jets. Given the situation surrounding the teams, a little pep in their step with Rob Sala going into year two, Joe Douglas drafting well, logical signings in the free agent department making it essential to rebuild the offensive line. And you really got the complete opposite of that. For most of the season, we'll go three quarters of the season, the Giants and the Jets were candidates to both be in the playoffs. That was remarkable alone. For the first time in six years, we had relevant football in November, December here in the New York metro area. That hadn't been the case for quite some time. The Jets quarterback issues resurface. Zach Wilson struggling, coming back from injury. Joe Flacco, clearly not the answer. Mike White, eh. But then the Giants keep moving forward. And one of the great things about this Giants team was the ability to overcome adversity, which they did time and time again this year. Giants got slaughtered a couple weeks ago at home against the Eagles. Now, they were banged up playing third and fourth stringers on defense. I get it. Limited weaponry on offense. I get it. 48-22 the game. That's embarrassing. But to come back, win games that you needed, 
games in the past that the Giants would have lost. They muscle it up and they get the victories. And they're in the playoffs. And they're going to get another crack tomorrow at a Vikings team that they had in their stadium during Christmas. Lost on a 61-yard field goal. But that's not the real reason the Giants lost that game. We're going to get into that in a few minutes. Lots to talk about with the New York Giants. But I really want to start and get into what is happening this offseason with the New York Jets. It's the 12th straight season. No postseason for gangrene. That's obviously a problem. So there's a lot to be broken down, a lot to be unpacked with this team. Yes, we are going to break down the postseason. We have to. It's too big. But the Jets are too big of a story in the New York area, the national football scene, to not discuss what is going to happen potentially during the offseason, which started last week for the, for the Jets, really two weeks ago when they were eliminated following the loss to Seattle. And with that, I bring in my buddy who's going to jump on. Joe Jett is with us to really take a look at what we think the Jets should do and realistically how the Jets should approach this. Joseph, are you with us? Hey, how you doing, Peter? How's everything going? What's up, brother? Hey, listen, I this is, for, for guys like us, passionate football fans, this is the best time of the year. But with all that's going on in the postseason, and we're going to get to that in a little bit, um, I think it's prevalent that we talk about this, the Jets situation, because it's again, now you're going on a decade plus of no, of no playoffs and, and we can really hammer down the reasons why the Jets are missing out again. But Joe, I mean, we don't have to be rocket science to figure out that once again, it's the inability to figure out what the heck is going on under center. You know, you know, Peter, you talk about the greatest time of the year for football fans. Well, it's not for Jet fans. Let me just tell you that. 12 years now without a playoff appearance. Yeah. So, um, you know. You should be used to this then. So this is just status quo. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> we're, I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's the norm. We're used to this. You know, it just happened in a different way this season. Sure. You know, so... Um, but, yeah, hey, listen, you know what? The season's over, and I know Jet fans are all, you know, climbing them. They're ready to, you know, go a little crazy. But you know what? When I, when this, when I sit back and I think about it, there still is a good nucleus to this team. The defense is very good. I think they were fourth in the league in points allowed. They're playing great. Yeah. You know, um, you're right, though. What are we going to do on the center? And this is what me and you could go, what we're going to talk about in the next, you know, 15 minutes or so here one of the things and if you if you want to look at this Jets season now seven and ten at the at, at season's end ending with six straight losses which is a gut punch um you had the Vikings the Bills the Seahawks and and the and the last game of the season which was I mean the Denver Broncos were candidates for this the potential to be the worst game of the season every week but that Jet Dolphin game last week was brutal to watch and then they had the Lions and Jags losses at home um, but let's start with the positives first. Ahmad Gardner, the rookie out of Cincinnati, who didn't allow a touchdown his entire college career, only allows one this year, uh, led the league in pass breakups. He was a first-team All-Pro as a cornerback. That hasn't been done at that position in 41 years in the league. So that's obviously a positive. Brees Hall, the rookie running back from Iowa State, was starting to become a legitimate weapon before he got hurt. 
And right on cue, Joe, you mentioned the defense. That was a bottom 10, bottom of the barrel unit a year ago. And they do the complete 180 to become a top 10 unit this year. I I really, truly, Joe, and I, this is what I wanted to get your opinion on. I don't think the Jets have the luxury to mess around at the quarterback position this year and waste another year of this defense. you got to go get a veteran, and there's going to be a lot of them left, uh, or available, I should say, come season's end, to protect this defense because it is, a, a, I said top 10, going into next year, when you revamp and re-sign guys and go into the draft, this unit has the potential to be top five. They are that good, and they're rotting because the offense cannot help them at all. That's totally correct, Peter. I mean, you touched on this last week about these free agent quarterbacks that are going to be available. Uh, and listen, look at it. The, the New York Jets won seven games this year with really without a starting. Joe Flacco, we know, 38 years old. From what, yeah. Did nothing. Mike White, we realize now who he really is. And Zach Wilson, who obviously has shown us nothing, if not gone backwards, as a starting quarterback. And this team found a way to win seven games. Yes. So now, if we bring in one of these guys, and we'll talk about who I like and who I don't like, you know, the Lamar Jackson, Jimmy G, Derek Carr, Aaron mm -hmm. Rodgers, we know all the names. So there's no doubt that this team next year, and we all saw their schedule for next season, that this team can't be a playoff game with somebody under center that's competent and knows how to run an offense. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and, I, and I think a lot of the things you just said are what we assume they would be thinking about in that front office um, and how they approach their their game plan with this offseason. Uh, but with that being said, we have a caller on the line. Vinny wants to chime in, so uh, we'll get Vin on the air uh, momentarily. Um, send us the invite. Vin, you with us. What's up, pal? What's going on, Pete? How are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, what's up, brother? Nothing. I just want to give a take. On the jet season, I know my friend Joe is there. Okay, the whole thing started. You have Joe Flacco going one and three. Yeah. Zach Wilson comes in. He goes five and two. He has a bad game against New England. He loses two games against New England, which the Jets have done 14 times in a row. 14 times in a row. Belichick just knows how to stop them. Now, Zach Wilson, five and two. Quarterback controversy starts over a stupid comment in the media. The coach is supposed to squash all that, not create more drama, not create more drama. The Bears game was would have been a layup for Zach Wilson. The Jets win one game after the quarterback controversy. Zach Wilson plays the rest of the year. The Jets are in the playoffs right now. He wins two more games because he came off the bench in the Detroit game. And he put him in position to win two times. And if it wasn't for Salah and his horrible clock management, they win that game. Now you say he played terrible in the Jacksonville game. So he plays bad in the Jacksonville game. You still there, Pete? Yeah, I got you. You play getting so the Jacksonville game. You're watching the Jacksonville game, and what is Jacksonville doing? They're running the read option with Lawrence. Yeah. They're throwing five-yard passes. And LaFleur is trying to throw 30-yard balls over the middle to Garrett Wilson. It's, it's hard to disagree with you, Vin. It really 30 mile really an hour wins. Yeah. That was the perfect day to mix in Shrevla with in the beginning of the game. You know, the first play of the game, he tries to run a read option with Zach Wilson, and it goes nowhere. It just this kid, Zach Wilson, needs a coach. 
Just like Daniel Jones was being run out of New York last year, Trevor yeah. Lawrence run out of Jacksonville. Yep. He needs a coach. Salah is just not going to do anything. They got to fire him now because it's inevitable he gets fired next year. So, Vin, let me ask you this then. And, and, and all the things you just said are, are hard to disagree with. And the comparison that you make there with a Lawrence, even a Josh Allen in, his, in, in year one in Buffalo and Daniel Jones this year, it really proves that good coaching can solve a lot of problems. You like Wilson as the future under center for the Jets. I love Wilson. He's got tremendous talent. He throws great balls. He just got to be coached. He's a kid coming out of a, you know, Pac-10, a conference that he, he he didn't see a lot of stuff. He yeah, just yeah. needs somebody like Frank Reich. He needs a steady hand to show him what to do because these, I mean, the Jets is a, it's a clown. It's a, it's a Chinese fire drill over there. Seriously. The way they handle that firing with LaFleur, I mean, yes. who's looking for him to sign him? Seriously. I mean, we really believe that bullshit. I'm sorry, Pete. Exactly. Sorry, sorry. No, it's all good. Sorry, and Vinny, listen, we appreciate I, I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the call. Um, no problem. Thank you for having me on. All right, brother. Um, yeah, listen, Joe. I, yep. There's a lot there, obviously, that Vinny gave us to kind of unpack and unravel here. But the the idea that Vin had just said that he likes Zach Wilson for the quarterback position, QB one next year. Rob Sala has come out in support of Zach Wilson and continues to stand by him. Um, through hell and high water. Well, here's the thing. You know, I got to kind of disagree with Vinny a little bit. You know, everybody's quick to blame the coaches. And Michael LaFleur, we all know, was the fall guy here. He was working with nothing. Let's be honest. I'm not saying he's great or anything like that. Okay, they let him go. But how about maybe Zach Wilson is a bust. We've seen this for years in the NFL. The Ryan Leafs, the Todd Blackledges, the Jamarcus Russell. We've seen mm -hmm. this. You know, so, you know, I mean, when do we just say he's not going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? Well, now this was Daniel Jones's fourth year by comparison. I don't, I don't know that it's overly a fair one, um, but we'll do it anyway. Four years. This was Wilson's second. So, how long is the leash given the length of time that it's been where the Jets have not been in the postseason? Is 20-plus games barely enough of a sample size, in your opinion, to say, this guy's the problem, it's the quarterback problem, we've got to address it further? Oh, they're going to address it further. Because like we talked earlier, this is a top five, six defense in the league. And they have good offensive players. They cannot waste another season to see or find out if Zach Wilson is the guy. They will be in the free agent market, and most likely we're going to see a Derek Carr or one of these guys come in here to do the job. Now, should something happen to them? Yes, I guess Zach will be the number two quarterback. But he will not start us. There's no way as Jet fans or, or trying to sell this to Jet Nation that Zach Wilson is going to start a season. That is impossible. Well, I think the overwhelming population of Jet fans would probably agree with you uh, as opposed to Vin. Now, the, the points that we had from our last caller are, are of validity. There, Wilson's young. He's certainly got the talent. Uh, we know that he has the talent. But where do the problems lie? Is it around him? Now, the situation the Jets have to figure out, veteran leadership at the quarterback position, what are going to happen with some of the big free agents, namely a weapon that Wilson can use in a Corey Davis? Are they going to bring him back? Connor McGovern is a free agent um, across that offensive line. Makai Becton 
and AVT, a lot of what's going to happen offensively to protect the quarterback and engage the run game rely on, yes, Vera Tucker's return, but the future of Makai Becton. I think that is something that is as essential as figuring out what you're going to do with Zach Wilson. Would you agree with that? I do. I do. And I don't know if you saw Makai Becton. He looks in the best shape he has since he came out. I mean, the best shape of his life, actually. He looks phenomenal. I saw him yesterday, as a matter of fact, you know, on, on TV. He looks great. He sounds focused. And you know what? If I can get half of what this guy was supposed to be with AVT coming back, and McGovern, I listen, this is a good offensive line. They will be good. You saw they were pretty good earlier in the year yeah. before everybody got hurt. So I, you know, I, I'm confident in the offensive line. Yeah, because for the Jets, you'd rather have that 17 games or thereabouts from an AVT to Becton as opposed to having to rely on somebody like, for argument's sake, a Dwayne Brown or a Max Mitchell. Um, George Font played well, but he's got the recurring knee injuries there. Um, so you have to pay attention there. So, Joe, before we we, we switch gears and, and talk a little uh, Giants-Vikings and break down the landscape of Wild Card Weekend, um, Give me the things that you're focusing on. And we know, based on how you and I started the segment, based on our call of Vinny's chime in in support of Zach Wilson with a lot of relevant points there, you're going into the Jets offseason. Put yourself in a GM shoes, ownership shoes. you got a couple things you need to do. We know the quarterback is one of them. What are you doing to improve this team to end this postseason drought going into the new season, draft included? Well, the great thing about this Jet team, like like I touched on as soon as I got on with you, I believe that they're good. I believe they're good defensively. And as far as the offense goes, Corey, Dave, uh, Corey Davis is going to be – I think he's not going to come back. Makes a lot of money, does a lot, not much of anything. Yeah, I agree. Um, it looks like he's on the outs. Exactly. Get another receiver on the other side of that field to, you know, go along with Garrett Wilson – you got Elijah there in a slot kind of role. You got a good tight end in Conklin. The running game with Brees is coming back. So it's not like they have to do – again, they won seven games. They weren't 2-15. and 15. Correct. You know, they're, they're not that far off from being a playoff team. Let's all be honest here. But the, but I don't know as far as the quarterback who's got – and let's also – you know, we, we didn't touch on the coach, Peter, in this segment, which yeah. we always do. Okay? I don't know if you notice or not. Out of the 14 teams in the NFL playoffs, do you know how many are offensive coaches? Tell me. Ten. And John Harbaugh is a special teams coordinator, so yes. he doesn't count. So there's only three defensive coaches that are actively coaching in the playoffs. What is that telling you? The state yep. of the NFL is an offensive league. That's you a great point. An offensive-minded guy. And we also didn't touch on who the Jets are going to bring in as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I did, I did not like the way that that went down either, to be quite honest with you. he, You know what it was, Peter? He took the hit. For, for the last six games, he had to go. They had to make. They had to cut somebody, I guess, to make Jet fans happy in some sort of way. Which you know what? I, okay, you know what? Bring in someone better. Then I don't know. Well, I mean, they'll they'll have options here to see where they go. I mean, Gary Kubiak's name has been floated out there as an is an, in an advisor role, maybe to, to jump the offense a little bit. Um, but you know. 
outside you know, of that. Frank, fr- as far as our Jet fans, my Jet fans that I spoke to, a oh, lot Frank of Reich's numero uno. Frank Reich. Yeah, absolutely. Be- because now, look at it this way, Peter. Should they not be that great or just miss the playoffs and or whatever the situation is, if they let Salah go yeah. next year, you could bring Reich down to maybe give him a second shot. I know it failed over there in Indianapolis. So that's all fine. But, you know, you got to think of things ahead should something not work out. Yeah. You know, so, I don't know, but these are some names. This is, you know what? Thank God for Joe Douglas. I have confidence he'll bring in, you know, a good coordinator here and, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, and I and I think we could kind of uh, put a bow on this with, with, with a nice way to end it with Joe Douglas. I think that's a guy, at least in my opinion. I'm a lifelong Giant fan, but I'm not dismissive of the Jets. I know what's going on over there. I think the Jets have someone in that GM role um, that not only knows what he's doing from a, a free agent perspective and can support the franchise. You know, this guy's done a nice job with the draft. It cannot be undersold how he basically was able to rebuild the defense just by the drafting of a quarterback who has already blossomed into being one of, if not the best at his position in the league, and I'm I'm talking about Sauce Gardner. And I know the defense struggled down the stretch of the season, but defenses are going to struggle when they're not getting any support from their offense. Just go back to that Jacksonville game. 19-3 is a haul on a defense against a team that catapulted itself into the postseason. So I think you're giving the Jets' defense all the credit in the world. Most of what the Jets have to do this offseason off, uh, off is going to revolve around Douglas rebuilding the offense. And I think you would agree if you if you want to talk about the coach and, and we'll, we can kind of make this uh, the parting shot here. If it doesn't happen this year, bye-bye Rob Sala. There's no – I know – and you saw Woody during the week. He did not put a mandate, so to speak, on Sala. But I think by the firing of LaFleur is a message to Sala, listen, you're next. Yeah. It's too you bad Woody Johnson next. just doesn't fire himself because right. – he, he makes it a clown show uh, half the time anyway. But listen, all good points about what the Jets need to do. Some obvious, some not so. But we'll definitely keep an eye on it. any news that continues to break as we go through the postseason, as it generally will. Um, sometimes you get those news dumps quietly from these organizations. We'll keep you up to date. Uh, 11.34 on the East Coast Sports today with Peter J. I'm joined by my, my buddy uh, Joe Jett breaking down um, the Jets' end of the season, missing the playoffs. Uh, for the 12th straight year. But here we are now, Saturday, January 14th, wild card weekend beginning uh, here this afternoon with the Seahawks and 49ers contest. But Joe, let's start with the Giants and Vikings, uh, being that it's a New York centric show. You g- will have another crack here, will the Giants at 9 7 and 1 overall, the sixth seed in the NFC. Um, and I played in the open. Going back to Pat Summerall and John Madden's call of the last time the Giants and the Vikings met in the playoffs, uh, Giants two and one all time against Minnesota in the postseason, forty one nothing in that NFC Championship game back in two thousand. Um, it was great to hear those old highlights. You, you know, almost bring a tear to your eye. Um, going back twenty two uh, some years to when the Giants and Kerry Collins were leading the charge. Different teams, obviously now. But we're only a couple of weeks removed, Joe, from the Giants and Vikings playing really one of the best games in the league all year. 27-24 Vikings victory on a 61-yard field goal as time expired. Um, 
I know you can tip your cap to the effort of the Giants there, but in my opinion, Joe, the reason the Giants lost that game, right, you're not going to stress over losing on a 61-yarder. Giants defense couldn't get off the field multiple times on third down. That's why they lost that game. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, but you know what? Let's not even go back to that game. That's the regular season. That is now over. The postseason, as we all know, is a totally different it's got a different meaning. It, it's yep. escalated 10 times. So what went on in that? I watched the whole game. It was a great game. And let me tell you something. This game, this game tomorrow, to me, is the most intriguing game of the weekend. No one can definitively tell me who is going to win this game. I'll tell you right now, Buffalo is going to destroy my – we don't even got to discuss this. <laughs> this is, you know, this is Oklahoma TC – I mean uh, – Georgia TCU all over again, okay? But there's no doubt. But, I mean, as far as this giant game go, I mean, I cannot wait to sit down and actually watch this football game. This is going to be a tremendous game, win or lose. And I, I think the, the big news that really started to develop Wednesday when, when practice reports uh, start to come out, Adoree Jackson, Leonard Williams, Aziz Ojolari all practiced during the week. Well, what does that mean? This could be the first time all season that Giant fans get to see Lawrence, Williams, McKinney, Jackson, Thibodeau, and Aziz Ojolari on the field together. Adoree Jackson is cleared. He's going to play. Dexter Lawrence is going to play alongside Leonard Williams. Aziz Ojolari is healthy. And Kayvon Thibodeau has been an absolute freaking revelation for this Giants defense the last month plus. They got all their pieces together, plus... A nice veteran in Jared Davis who played well at the linebacker position to support rookies like Micah McFadden and the veteran Jalen Smith. This is a defense that has the ability to be dominant when healthy, and it looks like Giant fans are finally going to see the defense that we were told about coming into the season, and it couldn't be at a better time. I tell you what, this Thibodeau, has really impressed me. I wasn't overly high on him coming out of college. Looked a little thin to me, a little, maybe a little undersized. I don't know. There was something about him. But you know what? This kid, if he matures a little bit and really, really puts all his efforts into this, what he has ahead of him, the, the sky's the limit, you know. You gave me all the credit for Sauce Gardner, and you know what? I totally agree, but I really enjoy watching this kid play football, and he could cause havoc there tomorrow for Kirk Cousins, as we all know. Yeah, and that's why I think sometimes, you know, the sacks are the, are the sexy things on the stat sheet, but the quarterback pressures and being disruptive between himself, Ojolari, and Leonard Williams with Dexter Lawrence clogging in the middle are just as impactful. Um, for the Giants, you know, Sunday's game plan, my opinion, let it rip. I don't necessarily know that. I don't want to say the Giants are playing with house money because they've made it this far. They're a legitimate team. Uh, nine wins in the NFL with an extra game on the schedule now is impressive. It's a Vikings team that's 11-0 in one-score games, but they can be beaten. You've seen when Minnesota's been at its worst, the home drubbing by Yes, a 12-win Dallas team, but also a Dallas team that is not incapable of making a mess of itself. They looked horrible in a big game a couple of weeks ago in Lambeau, and they've got other losses on their schedule that make you scratch their heads. So to me, this Daniel Jones to Isaiah Hodgins connection has got to continue. Richie James has been a nice pipeline on third down. And obviously, let's feature Saquon Barkley as, as often as possible 
because this isn't a Minnesota Vikings secondary and second level defense that can't be had. Right. And in the fact that you've got Daniel Jones' ability to move with his legs, I, I, I like what the Giants have been cooking lately. I really do. Um, and I do think that this is a game that they are legitimately capable of winning. There is, no, listen, there is a couple of things intriguing about the game. And you're right. There's not, there's no doubt they can win this football game. I am very curious to see how Daniel Jones reacts to the, you know, the multitude of this game, the magnitude, I should say, of this game. So I'm curious to see how he's going to play. And the other thing that worries me, Peter, about this game, every guy that I spoke to all week, every degenerate gambler I know, all of these guys, everyone loves the Giants. You see, this is what worries me. Nobody yeah. <laughs> gave this Minnesota team. No, I'm that serious. I, I count the, I, I take all of this into account, believe me. And here's the thing. Everybody knocks the Vikings, including me. And, oh, by the way, they won 13 football games. Knock my football team when they win 13 football games, please. Yes. You know, I don't find ways in weird, ugly ways to win games. Right. It doesn't have to be stylish in the NFL. Advance. Win and advance, as the great Jim Valvano once said. Yeah. Survive and advance. That's what this is right now this week. You and, know? you know, and I think we are off to, Joe, and, you know, um, as we kind of jumped the gun there getting into Sunday's game between the Giants and the Vikings – you mentioned it as the most appetizing game on the schedule. I mean, between everything else that's going on, you might be right. Because if you look at the schedule, yes, there are good games. But I think one of the reasons that this game is so intriguing is because of what we saw Christmas time between these two teams. Little did we know that we were watching a playoff preview. And here we are again. But Joe, what do you say we go around the rest of the wildcard weekend um, and hammer down some of these contests and Sounds make some good. picks. They look, people good. look forward to the picks, Joe. They want to hear what you got to say. All right. So this afternoon, 4.30 East time on Fox, Seattle goes to San Francisco. The overwhelming majority of the football population is going to go with San Francisco. It's hard for me to disagree with them. If this game, for whatever reason, had been played in Seattle, I might have a different opinion because it's a tough place to play. Joe, I just don't see how Geno Smith, who's had a remarkable year, and I know that's got to crush the souls of Jet fans, I just don't see him getting it done against San Francisco. And in my opinion, it's because of the Niners' defense. I totally agree. The Niners, as far as I'm concerned, probably are going to come out of the NFC. That's my prediction. The Niners are out of the NFC. The weather's supposed to be a little iffy out there. Today. Yes. No big deal. Bosa, all the night. When they got Christian McCaffrey, listen, they're loaded. Yeah, you might have the, the impact with the weather there and the scoring, but I'm going to take the Niners. Give me to the tune of 27-17, San Francisco moving on, and I'm with Joe. I And we can get into this as the weeks go on. I do ultimately think San Francisco is going to be the team that represents uh, the NFC in the Super Bowl. The second and final game on Saturday of Wild Card Weekend, I'm looking for, this is the game that I, other than being a Giant fan, this is the one that I have circled here. And it's because of what's going to happen under center. Chargers go to Jacksonville, and the Chargers are the favorite. Last I checked, it was a uh, Jacksonville's plus one. So that's your 8-15 on the East Coast. It's the NBC game tonight. Chargers at Jacksonville. Herbert for the Chargers. 
Lawrence for the Jaguars. A lot of people are saying that Jacksonville may be ahead of itself here. Too young of a team to advance. I don't buy any of that crap, Joe. If you follow this Jacksonville team after the 2-6, and 3-7 and seven start, they finish the season 9-8. and eight. I mean, they're doing it on both sides of the ball. They don't make mistakes on special teams. They're one of the league leaders statistically in special teams. I mean, this is a Jacksonville team that can do it all. They protect the football, and Trevor Lawrence has been playing out of his mind lately. Totally agree, Peter. And the one thing you did not mention, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I wanted to be a head coach of the Okay? I wanted him to be the head coach of the year back. They didn't hire him. I like Jacksonville, too. For San Diego, do they ever win? I mean, I need to know. But it should be interesting. Two big quarterbacks. Listen, Jacksonville's home, Herbert's arm. I mean, I Mahomes might be the best comparison to that. I mean, I think the kid is stellar. I just like what Jacksonville has working the last couple of weeks. And right on cue, Joe, with you, with Doug Peterson. It's the good coaching effect. We see that in San Francisco. The ability to stay head above water when you know what hits the fan, specifically at the, uh, at the QB position. Um, where Garoppolo goes down, Lance goes down, and now they're with Purdy. Jacksonville, good coaching with Peterson. Buffalo, good coaching. The Giants with good coaching. I like what Jacksonville has here. Give me the Jags. 24-21 in a close, entertaining contest. I think it's going to be an awesome, awesome football game tonight. I agree. I'm I'm right with you. It's going to be a close game one way or the other. I, I guess I'm just leaning Jags because they're home and they have the coach and it's going to be close and we'll see what happens. Entertaining game. I'm going with Jacksonville. Sunday, a good slate as well. It's kick-started with the 1 o'clock game on the East on CBS. Miami going to Buffalo. Miami's got all sorts of problems. Barely got past the Jets to get into the playoffs a week ago. Looks like they're going to start Skylar Thompson under center. Teddy Bridgewater may or may not play. Um Regardless, I don't see how they go to Buffalo and knock off the Bills. Also, I don't see how this game is even remotely close. I totally agree. This is a terrible spot for the Dolphins here. Buffalo, you know, they missed going to the Super Bowl last year. They had the thing that happened out on the field two weeks ago, whatever it was. You know, they're, they're just flying on all cylinders. This could get ugly and ugly early as far as I see it. And Oh, by the way, Peter, what we didn't mention. Every game this weekend in the wildcard games has all been a rematch of regular season games. Did you know that? Yeah, I, and that I, I think that's another layer that makes this postseason so spectacular. Right, right. Outside of the fact that seven of the teams in the playoffs are newbies from a year ago, you got four quarterbacks making their postseason debuts in Lawrence Purdy, Herbert, and Smith. Yeah, all these teams that are going to play this weekend, that's a great point know each other in some sense yeah, because you got the right. divisional game seattle san francisco miami buffalo ravens Bengals. it's awesome this is as good of a wild card weekend as you could have uh drummed up right right it, it, and then we'll get to the monday night game when we get to it but uh i'm with you the, the, the this i mean this shouldn't be a contest but we'll see what happens here i think this has something to the tune of 31 14 written all over it 
Uh, Miami's not going to be able to score points uh, when healthy, when perfectly healthy uh, against this Buffalo defense. It would be difficult for Miami, especially the way they played the last month plus. Early season Miami, different story. Now, I don't see it. Give me Buffalo 31-14. Giants at the Vikings. That's Sunday, 4.30 on Fox. You know what? I'm going to do it. Give me a reversal of fortunes here, uh, Joe. Give me the Giants 27 over the Vikings 24 this time. After that, then we might be able to say house money for the Giants. But I can go Giants here, 27-24. I'm going to reverse the Christmas score. Yeah, you know, Peter, this game, like I told you earlier, this is the most intriguing game on the card. I think it's the toughest one to actually make a pick on. Um, you know, listen, just to go opposite you, I know you're going to hate me for it because I know you're <laughs> a giant fandom, okay? I will take I will take the Vikings 26-21, okay, at home to, to move on in advance. That's, so that's you get the, the you get the Vikings winning and covering then. I do, I do. I have just because everybody's against that. Everybody thinks the Giants gonna win. Vikings aren't gonna cover. You know what? I'll go against the grain here and take the Vikings 26-21. All right, and then you got Ravens Bengals as the nightcap uh, Sunday night 8:15 East. That's the NBC game uh, rematch here. Now a lot of people the, the conversation has been. For the Cincinnati perspective, well, playing the Ravens again so quickly um, after they played down the the, the the end of the regular season, I, I don't, I'm not buying that specifically because we know all about the injuries that have uh, surrounded and hounded Lamar Jackson. I specifically with the Bengals at home, if the offensive line, which has been better than last year when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl, that was the one thing that held them back. The offensive line wasn't great. They protect Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Shamadze Pirine. Who is going to stop this team? I don't think it's Baltimore this weekend. And quite honestly, I don't know at this moment in time if anybody in the AFC uh, will stop the Bengals. At this juncture, Sunday night, to me, I don't think it's the Ravens. Give me the Bengals 28-17. Yeah, it's a it's a high. What is it? Nine are the are the Bengals nine point favorites or something? Last like I looked at 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 jumped to nine. It's jumped to nine, right? You know what? You know what? If something's telling me, listen, I think the Bengals are gonna win, and that and I think they will win. But you know what? I'm gonna go out on a limb here since they know each other so well. I'll take the Ravens with the nine. You know, the the Bengals will probably win this game. I don't know, 2317 or something like that. And that's the way I see it. But anything could happen. But I think the Bengals will win. But nine to me seems to be a kind of high number. Well, yeah, I struggled with that as well. And it was just because of the really the unknown surrounding the QB position. Would it be Huntley for Baltimore? Would it be Anthony Brown for Baltimore like we saw last week? To me... If they can't run the football, be it a J.K. Dobbins or whoever else, they've got no shot if they're not going to be able to use any type of aerial attack against the Bengals' defense that probably doesn't get as much credit as they should. This is a team, after the slow start that they had, which they played some solid teams, it's tough coming off, right, the emotions of a season ago. I'm not going to call it the Super Bowl hangover. I hate that term with a passion. But this is a Bengals team that has just been playing electrifying football the last two months 
And I, I like him. 28-17 is my – I wouldn't be surprised if it's worse than that. The only reason I wouldn't stretch that, Joe, is because there is that element of, you know, we've seen these guys before. If we can't hang with them, maybe we can contain them and then pick them off in the end. That's probably the mindset that I might approach if I were involved here with the Ravens. Keep it close and see what happens late. But right. when Burrow and Chase are clicking, they're unstoppable. Uh, again, another tough game to predict. We all feel Cincinnati's going to win. But can't you see the backdoor cover? Like they're up 16 or something. They're up, you know, 14, and then they let them come down. We've seen this. We've yes. Seen and that's the only thing that worries me. But I think Cincinnati's not going to lose in this spot. I mean, I, no, I can't see that. And you get the way to end the wild card weekend is the Monday nighter. Dallas going to Tampa Bay. and. I don't know. We watch a lot of football. And you're a Jet fan. I'm a Giant fan. But we, you know, I'll, I will, if you told me that, hey, listen, I'm telling my wife, babe, uh, when the baby goes to sleep tonight, I'm going to, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch this game. If you told me prior that the game I was about to watch was going to be the worst game of all time, I would still sit down and watch it. As I know you would, because it's football. Oh, yeah. You watch a couple Tampa Bay football games this year, they looked awful. I mean, dreadful football. The fact that Brady threw for 4,000-plus yards at the age of 46 is unbelievably impressive. But then, the caveat to that, Joe, on a 12-win Dallas team, there were moments that you watched them where they, they didn't even look like they should be playing in the USFL. So this is a, one of those games where I had trouble kind of predicting. Because, you know, prognosticators say, well, this team, you should beat this team. You should score this points, and then it's the complete opposite. Because I'm going to tell you this. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. If Tampa Bay has got any shot in this game, it's going to be low-scoring. Now, we've seen Dallas, the propensity to do dumb things with the football. Dak Prescott sometimes looked like he clo he throws the thing with his eyes closed. But if Dallas gets up in the, in the mid to high 20s, I don't think Tampa Bay is going to match him, even with Mike Evans playing good football. Give me low-scoring. On a, with a better Tampa defense than we've seen. I like Tampa at home, 21-20. I'm going to do it. You know, when I saw that this was the matchup, okay, I said to myself, this is it for Dallas. If they can't beat an eight-win Tampa Bay team, and Tampa Bay to me is terrible. I mean, they don't do it. <laughs> they struggled. Did you watch that game in Arizona with Trace McSawley? I, mean, <laughs> I did. I did. They had to go to overtime. I mean, they are a bad team. If Dallas loses this game, they will break up this football. McCarthy will be fired before he gets to the team bus. Oh. As far as I see it. No they doubt. They have to be able to win this football game. And I like Dallas in the game just because they're up against the wall here. They're and Brady's leaving after this year. We all know that. We all know Todd Bowles is terrible. You know what? I I, I got to take Dallas in this football game. I, I, I They can run the ball. They obviously can throw it. He cannot turn it over. That's the All thing. he has to do is not turn it over because they can run it, and they got good receivers out there running around. I like. I mean, I like Dallas here, and I know Brady's never lost to the Cowboys. I don't know if you saw that. Yes, you saw that. He's seven and zero all time against Dallas. He's never lost a game to the Dallas Cowboys. Tom Brady. I and I, and I think to that point, mm. 
I, and I, it sounds like you agree with me. This is obviously a different situation, a different time, a different unit that he's playing with. But like I said, with the Bengals, if you watch Cincinnati, the glitz and the glam is with the offense, right? It's with Burrow, it, uh, with Chase, obviously. Mixon when he's healthy. P-Rod's been a revelation for them the last couple of weeks, spelling Mixon when he was banged up. But if you look at this Tampa Bay team, with all the deficiencies they've had on offense, and they're glaring. Brady's played well. 24 touchdowns for him on a season is is significantly lower than we, we, we've been used to uh, with TB12. But he protects the football to the tune of only throwing nine picks. But this Tampa Bay defense, like that Cincinnati defense, I don't know that they get as much credit as they should. Tampa Bay at home in a potential swan song for Brady. Crazy things have happened, man. And I listen, I'm not saying it as somebody who, as a a diehard Giant fan, nothing makes me happier other than the Giants winning than when the Cowboys lose because then you get to listen to the fan base cry and make excuses. But I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are exempt from just making a complete mess of this Monday night. And I'll take Tampa in a one-point game. Now, am I going to be shocked if Dallas wins? Of course not. They won 12 games. They're not a bad football team. But they're also not the most responsible team offensively with that ball. And if they're not going to rely on Pollard, and if it's got to come down to some of the decision-making on the road against a defensive head coach in Todd Bowles, and it's close, give me Bowles, give me Brady to move on. Uh, listen, I, like I said, I understand. Listen, I understand that. But I got to say to myself, if you're, if, if you're the Dallas Cowboys and you can't beat a team that really struggled all year long and doesn't offer much from what I – I know they got Brady, but if you can get over that, the personnel on Dallas is better than the player. You know, the players on the Cowboys I look at as being better. They have a good defense, Dallas. I just think they're the better football team, the more desperate team, so to speak. They have to win this football game. And, and again, we will see how it turns out. Am I shocked if they lose? Of course not. It's Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. No, I am not shocked. Let's be honest here. Yeah, we fast forward a, a week from now, and Dallas is on the outs and Tampa Bay's moving on. We might be having a similar co- conversation about the Dallas Cowboys that we did with, with the New York Jets today. Because you know changes would be coming. That is probably the one scenario here where if a team in this wild card weekend loses, that the coaching changes might come. That might be Dallas. I don't think it's going to happen in Baltimore. I, and, and Joe, I, on that note, I want to get your opinion on this because it's an AFC East team. I'm not buying the nonsense that if Miami's out, if as, they, as you both and I expect, will happen tomorrow in Buffalo with a loss that Mike McDaniel's job is in future. To me, that's, that's an asinine statement that I've heard multiple times. How could you fault this guy for anything that's taken place where he's lost two quarterbacks and held the things together and gotten this team to the playoffs? I think that would be wild to get rid of this guy. I totally agree. I wouldn't fire him. I don't think he's got, again, he is another guy like Salah. You're working with nothing. You're working with, you know, backup quarterbacks, Skylar Thompson, you know, Teddy Bridgewater played a game. I'm working with Zach and, and you know, Mike White. I mean, so it's hard to, to fire guys when they're not in there. Yeah. Back. Now, if Tua was in there and they somehow didn't make the playoffs or things were going wrong, now you, now you, you might have to think a little bit. But when guys are playing with third string guys, they can't be held accountable. I mean, you can't. And they're in the playoffs and nobody's expecting them to win in Buffalo, which they're not. 
but you know, listen, you know, they made it and that's it, you know. Well, listen, we'll we'll see what happens with the game starting. Uh, those of you listening live on on Podbean again, eleven fifty nine on the East Coast. Thanks for joining us, Sports Today with Peter J, myself, Pete Mulroy, with my buddy Joe Jet, uh, running through Wild Card Weekend. Those of you listening live, we'll see what happens tonight. All right, and those who are going to uh, tune in on Spotify and iHeart and iTunes Radio later on, again, we appreciate it. Couldn't have got there without your support. Um, you'll 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 know what unfolds and what we'll be able to look forward to going to next Saturday's show. So let's recap it. Seattle goes to San Francisco. Uh, Both Joe and I like the Niners. All right. The Chargers go to Jacksonville. I'm on Jacksonville here. Joe, you agree? Yes. Jacksonville here. And then Miami to Buffalo. It's it's at minimum a two-score Buffalo win, in my opinion. It could be – this could get ugly quickly. That's that's, – I feel the same way. It's a mismatch. The second Sunday, 4.30 tomorrow, Giants at the Vikings. I got the Giants reversing the score in the 27-24 loss on Christmas. Joe likes the Vikings 26-21. Ravens at the Bengals. We both like the Bengals. I think it's a two-score 28-17 type deal. Joe thinks there might be the cover for the Ravens for those of you draft kingers or fan duelers out there. And then the Monday nighter, Dallas at Tampa Bay. Listen. No, in, in no way, shape, or form is anybody going to be really shocked by the outcome of this game. Joe likes the Cowboys in what he's coined a must win, but I like Tampa Bay in a one-pointer to the tune of 21-20. So that's your wild card breakdown. Six games between Saturday and Sunday. Lots going on. And don't forget, it, these games go to overtime. Joe, that new rule that I mentioned at the top of the broadcast is now in effect. Both teams are going to touch the ball regardless of what happens on an opening possession, which really is going to solve a lot of problems from last year. If you go back to that Bills-Chiefs game where Josh Allen didn't touch the football. So that right. rules effect now, and I think it's, uh, you know, the sooner the better, and the NFL finally got something right. Hey, hey, Peter, let me just ask you one question. Should the Giants win tomorrow? How much are you going to love to get a crack at the Eagles? That's where it would be, Giant. if everything holds true, Giants yeah. and Eagles, correct? Yeah, the only way that wouldn't happen is if Seattle somehow beat uh, San Francisco, which I know you and I don't think is going to happen. Listen, if that happened, I, I, I don't know. Now, a, a healthy Giants defense, yeah, things happen. I, I just think this is a gettable game for the Giants in Minnesota. After that, I'd probably have a tough time seeing them going much further than that, uh, specifically because I do think the Niners are going to wind up representing the NFC. Would I like another crack at the Eagles? Hell yeah. In Philly to beat them would be storybook. Do I think it would happen? No, I don't. Are you making the trip down the turnpike next week if that happens? Um, if I want to stay married, no. <laughs> understand. I understand. <laughs> so okay. uh, with that, we'll put, a, we'll put a bow on this week's special uh, football edition of Sports Today with Peter J. Listen, I know we got a lot of hockey fans. Uh, NBA, college basketball is underway. And if you've been watching it, but the Houston Cougars and, and uh, Marcus Sasso are unbelievable. We're going to get into all of this. We've gotten into the MLB hot stove and, and the, the circus surrounding Carlos Correa, who's obviously now been back with the Minnesota Twins after that charade. Uh, all of these things we're going to break down. We get weekly guests from my buddies over at MSG. Fox and CBS Sports are going to pop on some live, some pre-recorded. We're going to get through all of that. Right now, we get to focus on the NFL playoffs uh, moving forward. 
and we've got an action-packed weekend in the wild card round. So, Joe, thank you, my friend, for joining us. I hope to talk to you next Saturday. Um, same time, same place. So, Joe, listen, enjoy the games this week, and I'll be texting you back and forth as we watch them. And I know you're going to be sitting there, you know, just like I am. Uh, I'll be in between changing diapers, but uh, it, it's going to be a great weekend to be a football fan. That's right. Hey, listen, before we leave, obviously a shout-out to all the listeners out there because without those guys, your show doesn't take place, and they've been with us, and you know what? God bless them, and we'll, we'll go all through the playoffs here. And listen, best of luck tomorrow with the Giants, man. I, and from a Jet fan to a Giant fan, best of luck to you. All right. Thanks, brother. And, uh, and again, we, we appreciate all, all the listeners tuning in. Couldn't have got on Spotify, iHeart, and iTunes Radio uh, without you. So we appreciate it. I'll talk to you same time, same place right here on Podbean Live next Saturday, 11 a.m. on the East Coast. It's Sports Today with Peter J. Sports Today with Peter J.